Beloved, he's talking about sleep time, eat time, work time, walking all about time. Pretty much, he's talking about all the time. But more so, I want you to catch this. He's talking about during the everydayness of life. Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. And I trust that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're going to begin a brand new teaching tonight. We find ourselves in one of my favorite passages of the New Testament. Actually, one of my favorite passages of the Bible. It's Romans chapter 12. And I trust you'll understand why as we get into it. We're also going to be dipping back into the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. In fact, I'm going to share a little bit of that with you right away. The gist of the teaching this week is this. We have a tendency today in our modern era to compartmentalize our spirituality. You know, we do what we do all week long. We kind of do our own thing. And then when we don't have something else to do, we'll take an hour here and there to engage the church, perhaps even to engage our journey with Jesus. Well, this message is going to, going to address that because I believe that the Bible teaches a different perspective on life. Let me jump right into it. I'm going to Deuteronomy. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn, turn with me to chapter 6, and I want to begin reading with uh, verse number 6. Again, uh, Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6 and verse 6. The record puts it this way, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Notice your hearts, the real you. Verse 7, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Pretty much talk about them all the time, not just compartmentalized into some convenient hours or little blocks here and there. Father, I thank you for each one that's turned on this telecast by whatever means, and I pray that you would go right to their hearts during this time together and challenge them to step up to, step into, and step up to a relationship with your word and with you and to put into practice these instructions, these commands that you've given us. Help us to understand that it's a way of life, not just an event here and there. We pray, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless. I'm going to make a statement. I'll come back to this statement. This lays a foundation or begins to lay a foundation for what we felt impressed to share with you this morning. And it's simply this. I believe that, and I'm going to tell you why I believe this. I believe that Christianity or following after Jesus Christ was meant to be 
I, I, let me do that again. I do not believe. Are you with me? Sometimes I'm not with me. I do not believe that Christianity was meant to be lived exclusive of our sleeping, working, eating, going from place to place, our walk around life. It is not meant to be exclusive of our life. And I trust that come out halfway enough that you can get a hold of what I'm trying to say to you this morning. Number one on your study notes, fill this in with me. There is a tendency in our present culture to compartmentalize our spirituality, to put our spirituality into little compartments. And I certainly get this. Isn't it true that all of us engage sleep. You may not have slept as much last night as you wanted to, but no doubt you slept. We engage sleep. We engage eating. We engage walking around. We engage work. For the most part, for the majority of our allotted 168 hours each and every week. For the most committed leadership types among the church, Approximately six hours is reserved for church work each week. By the way, that's less than 4% of our available time. Now that's for the committed leadership types. But for the nominal to average church affiliate, there's approximately one and a half hours per week that is reserved out of our allotted time for church work or church activities, which by the way is less than 1% of our available time. I find that interesting. I could talk about that more. I'm not going to. Here's my point, just to cut to the chase. If church, and by that I mean the corporate gathering, I'm not just talking about the body of Christ, the ecclesia, the corporate gathering. If, if it is the sum total, that is the sum total of your spiritual journey then you would be disengaged much more than you are engaged. Does that make sense to you just a little bit? If this is all you do in the name of Christianity, then you're gonna be disengaged from God more than you're gonna be engaged. This is not what I see reflected in the instruction manual. And what is the instruction manual? The Bible, and that's what I preach from, it's what I read for you here just a few moments ago. I don't see that disengaged part-time thing going on in the New Testament in particular. Number two on your study notes, fill this in with me. Take your time here. The corporate gathering is not the sum total of our spiritual journey. Now, I have to say that because I want you to listen carefully, and, and beloved, the time is short. So it's time for us preachers to turn it up uh, a notch. But if all that you ever do in the name of Christianity is just show up here for about an hour or an hour and a half on Sunday morning, then you're just kind of missing it in terms of what the Bible reflects to us. Are you with me? Now, you might not like what I just said, but are you with me? Listen, the Bible norm is that we are to walk with God regardless where we are and what we're doing in every facet of our life. I believe that. And you might be looking back at me saying, Pastor T, that's impossible. And I'm looking back at you saying, no, it is not. 
No, it is not. Similar to marriage. How many married people we have here this morning? Similar to marriage, and listen to me, I may not always be with Sister D, but she's always on my mind. Are you with me? So what I'm trying to talk to you about this morning is very, very similar to that. Maybe you would look back at me or somebody would look back at me and say, Pastor Terry, I have to sleep. I get that. Pastor Terry, I have to eat. Boy, do I really get that. Pastor Terry, I have to work. I have to do life. I have to do me. Six and a half hours is all I have every week. That's all I have left. Listen, that is compartmentalized or compartmental thinking. And what I've come by here this morning to do is to challenge you to more relational thinking. Everybody say relational. Relational thinking. Let me show you how God designed this thing to operate. How we can simply manage what God has purposed and design. Now, I'm going to bring you back to our text at the end of the message. And it's going to be a couple of hours, but just hang on. I just wanted to, to warn you about that. But uh, first of all, I'm going to lay a foundation as I warned you in the beginning. And we're going to Deuteronomy over in the Old Testament, part of the Pentateuch. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 6. And here's what it says. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your, say it with me, church, hearts. Everybody has a heart, raise your hand. If you're sitting near anybody that didn't raise their hand, let us know. We'll call 911. Verse 7 continues, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Now, watch this, a little bit of history, but the Word of God, this Word of God was spoken to God's chosen people, Israel, in approximately the 7th century B.C., during the time of King Josiah. Now, there are theologians that love to argue and fuss about that, but I'm not one of them. I'm not going to argue and fuss about it. I think it's a waste of breath and time. I will say this to you. One commentator has suggested that Deuteronomy itself is a sermon series. I like that. And Mr. Peterson, in his paraphrase, the message and part of the commentary that he offers, he says, quote, this may be the longest sermon ever. Talking about Deuteronomy, not what I'm about to do. Okay? This may be the longest sermon ever. Now, take a deep breath. Picture in your mind God's chosen mouthpiece. On this particular occasion, it was Moses. Picture God's chosen mouthpiece speaking this message, Deuteronomy chapter 6, speaking this message over God's chosen people. Number three on your notes. This teaching helps us understand the constitution of a really great sermon. Here it is, three things, three elements. Number one, God's word is spoken forth. 
If somebody claims to be preaching a good sermon and God's word didn't come out, they just thought it was a good sermon. Can I get an amen right there? God's word is spoken forth. Secondly, watch this. this is what I want you to fill in with me. The human experience is factored in. I'm talking about our weaknesses and faults and shortcomings and little boo-boos, the things that we do because we are people. What do we do? People things. There's the word of God. The human experience is factored in. And thirdly, as the application is made accordingly. Moses spoke forth often contextualizing this by use of the word, watch this, the word today. Today, go back and read it on your own time at some point in time. Today, in other words, Moses was saying to the people, this isn't just a history lesson, guys. I'm not just rehashing what grandpa did or pa did. This isn't just a history lesson. It's very relevant for you Israelites right now, and not only right now, but from now on. Let me show you. Look again in verse six of chapter six. These commands that I give you, today are to be. Now, if you look that up in the Hebrew, it actually translates as and shall be. And shall be upon your hearts. It's there and it should remain there. Paul even offers, you can check me out on this, I'm not going there right now, 2 Corinthians 3 and 3. Paul talks about the fact that the word of God is carved not on tablets of stone, look at this, but on human hearts. Has your heart been carved? I trust that it has. I want you to note the plural of Deuteronomy 6. 6. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. How many of you here this morning have two hearts? So when it says hearts, it's very clear to us he's talking about a multitude of people. And indeed he was. And I want you to note, beloved, that Moses is not just addressing a convention of select clergy or even priests, but who he is talking to in particular is the heads of households. I'm talking about the hubs and the dads. That makes sense? The heart. The heart represents all that is the deepest part of who we are. You understand that when somebody says, I love you, I love you with all my heart. They're saying, I love you with every fiber of my being. That is the very core of who I am. Do you get that? That's what God's talking about here. God was saying, watch this, even to Israel, pre-spirit baptism, I'm dealing with you on a level that is much deeper than the flesh, much more profound than physical stimulation or even emotional musings. Now again, how many of you know we have a heart for every single second of our existence? Isn't that true? So God is sending a clear message very early on. And what is that message? That message is this, just this. As long as you live, as long as your heart beats, these words of mine, these words of God are to be in the deepest part of you, as it were engraved. 
Friends, I don't believe that's asking too much of a God that has engraved us upon the palms of his hand. That's what Isaiah tells us. Now, here's where it really gets profound. I've been somewhat profound up to this point. This is going to become profounder. Okay? Look at verse 7 of Deuteronomy 6. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Verse 7, impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. The real emphasis of this passage is brought forth right here. Now watch, it may be interesting to some of you just what the, the emphasis is. But God is saying to Israel, my word is not only to be etched upon your heart so that you might be kept, so that that word might be kept safe and sound there, but it is to be carved there as an incubator, if you please, that will keep that word fresh and keep that word alive and keep that word vibrant and keep that word significant, not only for you, but for your posterity. Here's something, here's one thing that you can pass along to your offspring. I said on Father's Day of all the things that dads pass along to their kids, this is the one thing we miss sometimes. God's saying here's something you can pass along to the next generation that will sustain my plan. Are, are you picking up what I'm putting down? God is saying this will help sustain my plan for the future generations, not just for you, but for your offspring, not just for you and your well-being, but for their good and for their well-being. This is not in my notes, but it's on my spirit. It just hit me between my spiritual eyes. Can somebody tell me how many generations it takes for a church to lose the spirit and lose its emphasis in a community? Are you listening to me, New Life Community Church? Yeah, we just celebrated our 24th anniversary, 24 years we've been doing ministry in this area. You know what ministry means? Listen to this preacher. That means some people just like you get up off the stool of do nothing and do something. That's ministry. Some people think ministry is just something you show up for this building and stuff happens. No. Ministry is people. And by the way, I didn't know where I was going to plug this in this morning, but it hit me in the early hours of this morning. You may be familiar with the Pareto principle that goes something like this. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Where do you fall? Where do you fall? Have you discovered your spiritual gifts and are you serving the Lord with those spiritual gifts among the church body? Here's the steps the Lord's giving us. I almost preached you two sermons right there. I won't charge you extra for that. God said, talk about these things with your children. And the question always comes to my mind is when? When do we do this? Our Father fleshes out what it looks like when we make impressions upon our children or how we do this. He says, talk about these things. Talk about these commandments. Talk God talk to them. Look at this. I want you to understand. He is saying, talk about them. 
You understand talk? He did not say, think about it merely, ponder it merely, idealize about it merely, emote over it, you know, just get the warm fuzzies. But he said, talk about them. Talk is a pretty straightforward directive. Most of you understand talking very well. In fact, when I say amen at the end of this service this morning, you'll never hear such a racket and all you're born put together. Yuck, 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 yuck. Would somebody pray for us? Verbal communication, speaking to your children about these commands. Fill in number five with me. When should we engage such things? Let's see. Look at the uh, middle to the latter part of verse seven, Deuteronomy six. During the times you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Beloved, he's talking about sleep time, eat time, work time, walking all about time. Pretty much, he's talking about all the time. But more so, I want you to catch this. He's talking about during the everydayness of life. That's what I want you to fill in that study. When should we engage such? During the everydayness of life. This should, these commands, God talk, should be a part of our everyday conversation. Absolutely. Huh? Now, I know we live in a day and age of secret service agents. They're born again. They're going to heaven someday. At least they say they are. But they'll never let anybody, even their closest friends, know that they've been born again, spirit-filled. What's up with that? I ask you, what's up with that? That's a brand of Christianity that I know nothing about. Where I grew up, when you're born again, you told people, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I never will forget doing some missions work in Jamaica several years ago. There in the particular church where we had gathered, a little fellowship where we had gathered, they did not consider you born again until you stood up. Everybody say stand up. I won't make you act it out if you say it real loud. Stand up. You were not considered a believer until you stood up and with your mouth voice, I have been saved. And they'd all applaud. It was wonderful. What's your point, Pastor Terry? I'm not telling you. (laughs) I think you get the point. This seems to be one of the most missed and misunderstood concepts of the modern day Jesus experience. I'm talking about every day walking around conversation. God has purposed for us, every last one of us, God has purposed for us to walk it out. A friend of mine has a ministry. He calls it walk it out ministry. I love that. God expects us and has provided for us to to live our life, all of our life, sleep, eat, work, walking around life in relation with Him. Beloved, we're going to cut in right there. Lord willing, we'll try to wrap this up next week. But let me conclude uh, this particular uh, section or session by asking you this. How familiar are you with the things of God? 
familiar or is there some familiarity with you between you and the Bible, the Word of God? Do you read it? Do you study it? Do you allow it to speak to you? And it really is a mirror that reflects back who we are and helps us to know and understand who we are in the perspective of God. How familiar are you with God? You know, some people get all scared about this. I don't want to get that close to God. Beloved, you do want to get that close to God because at some point in time, all of us talk about going to heaven and dwelling with God for all eternity. You know, that starts now. It doesn't just start after we draw our last breath. It starts now as we develop a relationship and a familiarity with God. That's what I want to challenge you to, and that's what I want to pray for you, is that you do know and understand the Word of God. Listen to me. No matter what your age is, there may be someone out there listening right now, and you're very young. I mean very, very young. I know that there are a lot of folks who are not so young that listen to this telecast, and I'm thankful for that. But how thankful I am for the younger people that listen, and I trust you take to heart that God wants to have a relationship with you. You don't have to wait until you know, in the minds of young people, they're like, uh, you know, I'm going to wait until I'm old, I'm 30 or 40. Uh, trust me, that's not old, but you don't have to wait until you're 30 or 40 or 50 or 60. In fact, this, this particular teaching makes it very clear that God wants to have a relationship with us right out of the starting blocks at a very young age. From the moment that we can comprehend who God is, God wants to be in relationship with us. How do we do that? We do that through prayer, by confessing our sins, repenting of our sins, opening up our heart's door and asking Jesus to come in to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse all that out, and to replace all that with His powerful Holy Spirit that's given to dwell within. Now that sounds simple, but it's not an oversimplification. That's God's purpose and plan for you. And I trust that you would follow through with it and know God in a personal, intimate way and become more familiar with Him in the days to come. Father, again, I thank you for each one listening in, and I pray specifically for that one that may have prayed right now and confessed their sins, admitted to you that they're a sinner, and they've repented of that sin. They've expressed to you that they are sorry for their lifestyle of sin, and they confess that because they truly are. They've opened their heart's door and invited you to come in I know that you will, and I pray that you would cleanse them from their sin and fill them with your Holy Spirit and enable them to uh, begin to convene this walk with you, this walk of knowing and understanding and becoming more familiar with you and your ways in the days to come. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, listen to me. If you prayed that prayer and you'd like some more information about how to walk with the Lord, and trust me when I tell you there's a lot more to Christianity than your initial commitment. So much more than what so many know today, and that is just water baptism. That's all they know. They've said a few words, they've went under the water, and they think they're just kind of set. They never read their word. They don't know and understand uh, about this walk with the Lord. If you would like some more information about that, give us a call. There's some information on the screen, and we'll try to put some information in your hands that will help you in your walk with the Lord. I am Terry Knight, and the pastor of New Life Community Church, and it's been a joy and a privilege being with you. I trust that you would pray for us as we continue this walk with the Lord and this ministry 
that comes into your hearts week in and week out. I want to encourage you to go to a church fellowship somewhere this weekend and get together with God's people and hear the Word of God preached and taught and enjoy that time and benefit from that time of fellowship. Again, I'm Terry Knight and reminding you, my friends, that Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you? No